When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up and welcome back Just to the kind of funny too. screencast. I'll tell you exactly <laughs> when we go live. Exactly when we go live. We're live, Carboni. Live on YouTube.com slash kind of funny. Anthony, how are you doing? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? I'm fantastic. On, on a day like this where we get to talk about Star Wars and or episode four. I got me. I got Ooh. you. We have the sad boy, Barrett Courtney. Ooh, hello. And rounding out the group, we have the one and only Sage Ryan. Sage, how are you doing? Hello, I'm holding down the the Halloween corner as always. <laughs> Barrett, honestly, I feel like we've kind of got like a, a cool, a cool yeah, we got the the orange combo place. going on over here. The orange on this and black side. Thing? And then we honestly, just got such these, a vibe. Then we got these two jabronis over here. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they're doing. Just kind it's of okay. hanging out. You know what I mean? I'm wearing my Jedi robes today. I, I got hit really by tell, I got hit by a truck. That beige color. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I got hit by a truck. I don't have to wear anything. <laughs> Tim, 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 what's your excuse? It begins. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Tim, my best exactly. friend got hit by a truck. What's your mm-hmm. excuse? Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, <laughs> I know a guy that got hit by a truck. That's, that's, that's what it is. Uh, of course, this is the kind of funny screencast for each and every week. We get together these days multiple times a week to talk about the latest in TV, movies, and trailers. Of course, we're reviewing every single episode of Star Wars Andor, She-Hulk, Rings of Power, and House of the Dragon. And every once in a while, out of nowhere, Ryan Reynolds drops a video announcing that fucking Wolverine is in Deadpool 3. And we react to that as well. So you can go check out our our reactions on YouTube.com. I'm going to have to watch that. Uh I'm going to have to watch that because my brain went spinning out of control with the implications. And I know this isn't the show for it, but there are implications. There are implications. My friends, and I love every single one of them. Of course, if you want to get the show as a podcast, just search your favorite podcast service for Kind of Funny Screencast, and all of the aforementioned things I was talking about will be there for your listening pleasure. If you wanted to get the show ad free, though, you got to go to patreon.com slash kind of funny, just like our Patreon producers Fargo, Brady, and Molecule have done. Uh, today, we're brought to NZXT and Uplift, but I'll tell you about that later. I want to get right into it. Sage, really quick before before we get into it, is Tim skipping around and being a weird digital boy for anybody else? Yes, for me. A tiny bit. Maybe for the people watching is the question. Yeah, definitely (laughs) for the people watching. uh, Yes. So, uh, how's your internet? Restarting my internet. I'll be right back. Be right back. Sage, how did you feel about uh, this week's episode of Andor? It was a very interesting episode because it felt a little bit like a different show than the first three episodes for me, but not in a bad way. That isn't a criticism of it. I really enjoyed the episode, but it was the first episode of the series, obviously, where we're getting all of like the tie-ins. Like it's starting to happen. Um, and I found myself more this time like not being able to look away and be distracted because you missed something, which is very interesting. So I found myself like probably at least five times being like, hold on, actually, let me take that back 30 seconds. This, okay, and there, yes, understood, Um, which I think is very good. I think that that speaks to it well, but it is an incredibly transitional episode 
um, because it's all set up. And they were setting up in a bunch of different places, whereas right now we've really been following primarily this one place. They were just like, okay, here's also everything else. Mm-hmm. Episode four. <laughs> yeah, it definitely felt very dense and definitely felt like the very beginning of uh, the uh, the act two of the of the show. Uh, Carboni, how do you feel? I loved it. Uh, you know, this is this is definitely a setup episode, but I love the setup because we're seeing things. We're seeing things that that I've always wanted to see presented in a way that I've always wanted them presented in live action Star Wars. I love watching like this this petty infighting, interdepartmental infighting in the Empire. I love seeing Mon Mothma and and Luthen sort of like building the uh, building the rebellion and seeing how tough that is and how tough it is to actually live under the Empire. Right, and we're getting. We're also getting the promise of this Tony Gilroy, Santa Wallenberg, slow burn, the enemy is everywhere, who's watching who. We're getting we're getting that part of it. You know, even even in Cassian's story, where it's like, mm, we don't like you. What are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's there's a lot of like, there's a lot of suspense. And I really love seeing this much suspense in Star Wars. Hundred percent, Tim. How and did more. you feel about the episode? Thank you. Without missing a beat, um, I love how I had to restart my internet, but I turned off my Wi-Fi on my phone and I pulled it up so I got to hear you guys talk about it. You gotta love the internet <laughs> how it all works. I didn't miss a thing. Um, you know, last week I think that I was a little lower on the episodes one through three than you guys. I liked it, but it wasn't like my favorite thing ever. This episode got me a lot higher on it. I really think that the the setup that they're doing here. I'm like, all right, you got my interest now, and you've kind of proven that there is an identity to this show uh, that I am interested in in finding out more about. I love the the visiting Coruscant, familiar places we know, the amount of just references and like uh, little little dialogue bits here and there talking about stuff that I'm sure we're gonna get all into. Yeah. Of course, don't that- worry. I made appetite. a list. Good, good. Tavoni's <laughs> got the list, everybody, and I'm so excited about it because yeah. that stuff's super rad. But on top of that, I just love that this kind of feels like Barrett talked about this last week of how he feels like Rogue One would have been better as a series. And while this isn't exactly that of them getting the, the plans for the Death Star, I do like that it does feel like it has that same vibe of like we're setting up some heists, mm-hmm. maybe multiple heists throughout the season. We get the teams together and just the – And actually learning about the teams. Yeah, exactly. And the workplace dynamics between the Empire and like the just like kind of all of those together, but then also the rebellion yeah. and the idea that the rebellion is not like united yet, right? And there's like a bunch of these different fronts and just the the back and forth dialogue. I'm really into this. The whole spy intrigue thing, the multiple levels of even the good guys not knowing who to trust. Like this episode, I think uh, is is really 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 good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, for myself, I agree with all of you as well. Uh, again, my personal favorite highlight was kind of we get the kind of comment from a lot of people who are like, oh, man, how many times can we see the beginning of the rebellion? And it's like a lot of times, honestly, and a lot of times it can be interesting because the rebellion is from a bunch of different angles and it is like these uh, people who started rebelling on their own planets being brought into a bigger organization. And we've seen a lot on that front. We see that in star Wars rebels. We see that in some of the books and stuff like that. And I love that we're getting 
finally the perspective on on uh, from Mon Mothma and how that's all going from like funding things and trying like having the Vegas of ideas of bringing all of these groups together, which we also did kind of get that a little bit in Star Wars Rebels from you know a, a certain character like kind of being. Uh, the voice going back and forth between all of these different, like, uh, smaller rebellions and bringing them together. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that they're keeping that that through line there, uh, but just from a different perspective. Uh, yeah, I was super into this episode. It's very dense. There were a lot of notes to take, uh, and I was I was hung on every word. I, someone in the chat uh, put rightly, like, a lot of a lot of speaking compared to last week's, uh, like, just high action, last episode's high action. And I, I like that. I thought we needed a little bit now that Anne Andor is kind of in this whole new world. We got we got to learn a little bit more about the the people and what they're going through. And I I thought that was awesome. Yeah, I love the the kind of uses even of just like the different classes. Like we've seen this before in Star Wars a whole bunch of times, especially in the more recent stuff. Like uh, even in Last Jedi, kind of dealing with like the casino planet and all that. But Mm -hmm. Mon Mothma is just such a badass, and her and her super dope loft, like her outfit's sick. She pulls up in this God, what? She has a garbage. She has a Tim, dude. She's got a Tim. Everyone needs a Tim, and if your Tim is going to be shitty, at least make him look dope as hell in a powder blue jet. Jedi robe, okay? Because that motherfucker was looking so weak. Flippy hair. His weird little flippy hair. Sage, you're muted, but I know you're talking about the same thing I'm talking about. Uh, His weird little flippy hair. He feels like if this was if this was going to be a comedy, he would be played by um, he'd be played by uh, Matt what Matt Barry from What We Do in the Shadows. Yeah, this dude was (laughs) a joke. This dude was an absolute joke. A hundred percent. She showed up, and you understand immediately that the dynamic between the two of them is like this weird parental thing. He spoke to her like he was like arguing with his mom. We're never going to have any fun. <laughs> I mean, I do love that. Like that scene was like bookended with the the, the shitty cop boy, like legitimately going having a back mom. and forth, going home to his mom. Like, yeah. I, I think that that was like really well done. It, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I like it, it definitely. And we'll get into it uh, or we can get into it more uh, here, I guess. But I, I love that it it very much bleeds out of like how much Coruscant is just America and like how you see that on uh, like uh, the personal level as well of like these very high class uh, people who get to live in luxury while all these other planets outside of it are just fucking uh, just being destroyed for resources and it definitely like this scene uh, the scene with uh, Mothma and her husband definitely felt like a a wife who's like sees her husband slowly turn into a MAGA hat. And, yeah. and, and it's just like where he's like, yeah, who cares if uh, those people, um, you know, uh, destroyed uh, resources or, you know, the products line for uh, these other people on this other planet. They're really fun at parties. OK, let me have yeah. my fun. Yeah. It's Sly Moore and Ars Dangor are really fun at yeah, parties. Really fun guys. The advisors to Palpatine. Fuck. Look, here's the thing. It's really hard to watch the men get to be in Star Wars and the women have to be in The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. That's rough. That's tough. Yeah. I would really, yeah. really like for them to get to be in the same goddamn show. <laughs> that is so true. Always. They're consistently sitting there like, Jesus Christ, you're going to get us all killed. Just please shut up. Can you no more Tim. 
to be, no more Tims, dude. I've been saying that literally since day one. Uh, but having Genevieve O'Reilly back as Mon Mothma is awesome. Just uh, giving her like the most she's ever had to do in this. I love that we're getting her this early in the series because like I had faith that like she's going to be like a core yeah. character of this, and that's awesome because she is just such a badass. Yeah. We were okay. Well, I don't want to skip ahead, but I had a specific question about somebody that they were potentially talking about. But go, go on. I don't want to skip ahead. Oh, well, before <laughs> before we get there, we can right when we get back from a word from our sponsors. Shout out to NZXT Canvas Gaming Monitors. We are huge fans of NZXT here at Kind of Funny. And I got to say, these monitors, they're Andy Cortez approved, Kevin Coelho approved, and Tim Gettys approved because of their sweet 1440p resolution with 165 hertz refresh rate and one millisecond response hits. That sweet spot for gamers due to the balance of picture and performance. They're available in 27-inch and 32-inch curved displays. Variable refresh rate support for all of the major GPUs. They provide an excellent gaming experience for any game genre. You can get the monitor just alone. You can get it with a stand or you can get it with some pretty cool mounts. There's built-in software support with NZXT Cam that lets you control all your monitor settings directly on your PC. No need to mess with the clunky hardware menus to lock in your desired settings. They thought of it all. It's sold exclusively on NZXT.com. You can learn more about the NZXT Canvas gaming monitors at NZXT.co slash funny. That's nzxt.co slash kinda funny. Shout out to Uplift for sponsoring this episode. I've been using my Uplift desk for well over a year now. I love the thing so much I decided to write a rap song for them. The build quality is real good. It's made of real high quality wood. They didn't ask for it. I just did it anyway. Getting my Uplift desk immediately improved my mood. Whenever I'm on shows, I'm standing up. I'm feeling a lot more energetic. And also, I kind of feel like I was just maybe creating some bad habits sitting down at a desk all day. I would move my legs up. I'd sit underneath my legs on my chair. And eventually, all that stuff just created really bad back pain for me. Choose from laminate, whiteboard, bamboo, solid wood, butcher block, or even custom solid wood or laminate options. Uplift Desk won New York Times Wire Cutters Best Standing Desk from 2019 to 2022. And while I'm at it, I'm just going to give them an award as well. Best Standing Desk that I use in my bedroom from when they sent it to me until now. Uplift Desk have a 15-year warranty. They ship the same day you order with free shipping and free return shipping. So if you've been feeling the effects of sitting at a desk for eight hours a day, maybe you want some more energy in your life, maybe you want to do squats in the middle of a Zoom call or something, uplift your life. Go to kindoffunny.com slash uplift. All right, Carboni, you're unleashed. What do you want to talk about? I mean, we got to start at the beginning, though. Like, I don't want to go too far ahead. We got to start at the beginning. Um, All right, let's do this. But, you know, we're starting on we're starting on Luthen's ship, right? And one of the first things that he does after it's like, you know, everybody's got to go through their... Um, I didn't agree to help anybody. I'm not gonna. I agreed to save my own skin. Well, who are you and what are you like? Fine, I get it. Yeah, like, it has to happen. You have to go through the solo journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, watching him get into whatever. But um, he talks about fighting on Mimban, which I love. Mimban, of course, is the mud planet. Uh, which is the battle that uh, Solo was in when 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 Han Solo in Solo: A Star Wars Story when he was his short time in the Imperial Army, uh, he was fighting on Mimban and he fucking hated it. Which is really funny because at some point it's entirely possible that Han Solo was up against Cassian Andor in this yeah. battle, Ex- except that Cassian was a cook that ran away, which I love. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> he was like a he was like a scared deserter. Um, 
And speaking also, of cooks, the guy from the bear. The guy oh, from cousin. the bear. Cousin. We got to talk about cousin when we get to cousin. Bud. <laughs> yeah, cousin's there. Um, but he does talk about like when he's like, hey, you know, come do this thing. He gives him a uh, a Quati signet made of blue kyber. So Quat is uh, is a big uh, is a big imperial shipping. They have like a big imperial shipping thing there. But also, they talk about the Rakatan invaders. The Rakata were uh, were in Knights of the Old Republic. They are force using. They were a force using invasion. They were able to use the force and they invaded the galaxy and they were repelled by the early Jedi. So. Immediately, I was like, how does this dude have this thing from the old Republic that's worth, like, this much that's from, like, literally an almost forgotten and, battle? And it means a lot to him, too. Yeah. yeah. So but that was such a successful, like, buy of faith in that moment, not just for Cassian, but also for the audience. It has no reason up to this point. Like, we know we're going to trust him because we know how a story is supposed to go and we're sitting yeah. home watching it. <laughs> um, but that immediate, like... The, the trust that it built in me and the way that he cares for the future of the rebellion and the way that like i understand his position in this now i think it was a huge step in a very very well written one to yeah. tie it in and his trust in Cassian as well because he sets mm -hmm. him up in uh, when they're in the ship of like this job is going to be five days uh and then he asks like what are, uh, what are we going to do and he's like we're going to steal uh what is it the uh, the payroll, payroll. Uh, yeah like the quarterly payroll yeah. of like a like an uh isb station and the job that he sent clem on uh off of this like uh, backwater planet doesn't seem to be that same job so i feel like that's also him being like once you finish this you're coming back to me and we're we're doing something else this uh, this also almost feel unless i read that wrong this feels like mm -hmm. his kind of final test for Cassian to see how dedicated he is to the cause which also does seem to be what the rest of that team struggles with of like where do, does his final allegiance lie it's interesting because i do so i i think they were like they were the same same job but i do think that this is you're right this is a test of Cassian but i want to know why luthen what is Luthen's connection to Cassian? I want to know why, why, why Cassian him? of all people? Yeah. And why does he believe right. so much? And why is he offering Cassian 200,000 credits, which as we know in Star Wars money is a lot of freaking money. Like, why are you offering him basically like almost retirement money for this gig? Why did you come to this planet to find him? Why did you give up this Imperial, like the Imperial Wayfinder or whatever, you're giving up a lot of important things for Cassian, who, as we can see right now, as we know him right now, is kind of a deserter and a fuck up. He's yeah, he hasn't cook. been named to be anything special in any capacity. It's not the Han Solo, I can do anything, I can fly anything kind of guy. Mm -hmm. Like, he, they're just like, he's kind of a redundancy. He does a little bit of everything and we need another guy. And, and even that if he is that guy. does not equate to that, so there is something more. Yeah, and even if he is that guy, you just named Han Solo. We can name we can name Dash Rendar. We can name like who's bring him back. We can name uh we can name a million people who are that guy in Star Wars. Star mm. Wars is full of that guy. Mm. So why does Luthen want Cassian so badly? And that's what I'm excited to find out. Yeah. Um then we got to we got to our um our new planet here. Uh 
which I absolutely love this like mossy Icelandy sort Dude. of flatland planet. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I, I there was one shot that I really loved of the TIE fighters kind of like roaring up by them. The sound design was so good. And I love when Star Wars does this of giving the sense of scale of like the the um, ships versus the people on the ground. And I think that they did such a good job of this beautiful landscape just being ripped apart by these TIE fighters uh, zooming by and seeing it from their perspective. Like they're so small. It's like, that is what Star Wars can be. And I thought they did a really good job with it. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, I love this team that they're putting together to sort of take out this garrison. They find out on the way, it's like, we're not just stealing something. We have to take out an entire garrison. Um, and this leader, Vel, is like, I don't want this guy. And Cassian's like, I don't mm. want to take on a garrison. And everybody from the team is like, we also don't want you here. Uh, and so I'm loving this, this, like this tension that we're building here, this tension that we're building where everybody's like, well, this is very important and we have to do it. Uh, D- but doesn't like, she respond to him when he's asking about the job and stealing th- this payroll? Doesn't she respond of like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Cause I thought that's what, she was talking about there or maybe i mi- i misheard it uh live check can can let me know cuz that yeah, that was why re- that was the feeling that i got of like maybe the payroll thing is something else uh mm-hmm. for uh, for another time um, no cuz they talk about the payroll a couple times okay. uh, yeah. they okay. talk about it when they're when they're around the model and they're planning and everything yeah. gotcha okay i think she was she was definitely they were talking about things uh oh what she was talking about is Luthen does that was their exchange where they were like Luthen doesn't exist. Yeah. Mm, you don't right. know about yeah, yeah, Luthen. Yeah. You don't know about Luthen. You don't mention Luthen, which leads me to believe the team also doesn't know about Luthen, right? Because mm-hmm. the moment Cassian shows up, the rest of the team is like yo, we didn't know about this and it starts like they're very unsettled by it. Um and they're unsettled by it in a way that makes sense, but they're also unsettled by it in a way that's like they're part of a group that doesn't get to know everything. Yeah, and, and Vel Sartha then has to take over and just be like, I trust him and can't be yeah. like, well, technically someone else trusts him. She's just like, it's me. I trust him. Yeah. Um, so I kind of love that because we're, we're seeing how Luthen operates and how the rebellion operates right now. And the way it operates is like very need to know. Yeah. Like very much like you can't know too much because if you know too much and they get you, you know what I mean? It was like, poor gullet. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> we can't let the uh, we can't let the empire know too much about what we're doing. And when we when we after this sort of happens and we go over to basically just another imperial board meeting. I love this. Yeah, we go over to this imperial board meeting and we see uh, this same thing. You know, when uh, when they bring up like, hey, I think there's there's some strange activity going on. I see a pattern. You know, I see a pattern. It's like, yo, you're just seeing things. We don't go on gut here. We're the empire. We go on information. And that's one thing the rebellion's so good at doing is, is compartmentalizing this sort of information, which was fun to see from the imperial side. Yeah. You know, you know who, um, you know who um, does trust their their instincts and looks for patterns that others don't see. Carboni, Sage, hmm. Tim, and someone who appreciates. Others who kind of see through the bullshit to find patterns that others don't to kind of like play like 5D chess with their opponents. You're not. Are you going to thrawn me right now? 
Thrawn is going to show up in this show. Are you going to Thrawn me right now? Also, <laughs> think about it, Tim. We got the announcement I'm of thinking. who is playing Ezra Bridger the day before D23. And so the expectation at D23 is like, they're going to heck and announce who's playing Thrawn live action, right? No announcement. Nothing. But you also yep. know what wasn't announced before Boba Fett? Why am I blanking on his name? My big hat boy who's blue who showed up? Cad, Cad Bane. Bane. Cad Bane just out of the fucking blue? Their skin I is blue? I am with you on this. I mean, because it's not only this blonde lady that I, I don't know her name. Right. I'm terrible with Star Wars names. I'm sorry. Deirdre. She Deirdre. has a regular name. Yeah. She's got regular ass name, but also cousin uh, from the bear real life name has the most Star Wars name. And I forget uh, what exactly it is. If someone could look that up. Um, it's not just her. It's the uh, uh, cop Shapiro. Uh, who gets uh, nah. fired from his job, completely uh. replaced because ISB is taking over. They're not letting, uh, what is it, private security or uh, whatever, uh, public security uh, lead this area anymore. ISB is taking yep. over it. And then he goes home to mommy. You know who else? Like, he is also someone who kind of, You know like, who else has a mommy? <laughs> Thrawn. But no. Excellent points all around. But, but the other, but, like and this was, uh, this was, this, <laughs> this was the thing that I was mentioning last week about um, Nerd Cop is that even though he <laughs> did a major fuck up, he did see through the bullshit that even his superior officer was telling him to just kind of do to, like, find this investigation. And he did, like, he did go with his gut and find that stuff out. And there is going to be a point where he is brought into the Empire at some point. And I think I it's going to so. be Thrawn. I think so. But right now. And I think he, it might be right just now Thrawn just kind of like maybe just hinted at. And then we get a tease yeah. of him at the end of this series or whatever. But I think I think it's our blue we, boy. We have 12 episodes. I think we could get Thrawn. Well, look, I think, yeah, yeah. I think if if. This era of Star Wars continues in live action long enough. There is no way to do it without bringing in Thrawn. I think that has to be done. I think he Thrawn has is... to be introduced at some point before Ahsoka. But I think... Which we're running out of time for that. Exactly. We're running out of time. Ahsoka's and next I... year, so... I think, I, Thrawn's think right. a... I think Thrawn might be a big... Hmm. Thrawn could be a big end of season reveal because or a big or also, next season reveal. Remember this year, five ABY or five BBY. Mm -hmm. The same years that the first season of Star Wars Rebels takes place. That's true. And Thrawn's who out there doing stuff. Who isn't Thrawn's in Star trying to find Wars out Rebels who stole season those one? May Lurons. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. He's not in season one. So he he's busy doing other shit, yeah. like maybe yeah. taking care of this Andor situation. Could be true. I Could I agree. True. I'm feeling it. I feel like Thrawn's coming. I, I mean, think he's we, coming this season, but I don't know for how much. I don't know if we'll get a ton of him this little. season. I think it's very little. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's pretty small this season, but I think it's happening this season. We're going to see him. Yeah, these middle managers that we're seeing right now, we haven't met the big bad. We have exactly. not. Exactly. That's the thing is all of these are little guys, like the smallest of little guys. Usually in a Star Wars series, we get imperial imperial little guys. Mm -hmm. These are the little guys under those little guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's just rush. It's Russian nesting imperials. Right. It's Russian nesting <laughs> mall cops. <laughs> um, but I do love this. I, I do love kind of seeing how everybody is sort of like fighting each other over tiny bits of territory here in this in this thing and, and trying to i get a feeling from deirdre 
even she's giving me the vibe that she's either good imperial or secret rebel. I agree. Interesting. I think there's something more there and that they introduced her. Star Wars loves a um like an all-male setting with a difficult woman and I mean this mm -hmm. in like the best way. And that is the setup I think for something more from Star Wars. From everything we know from Star Wars, I'm like yeah, if she's yeah. not in the rebellion yet, which I think is possible, mm. I think she's on her way. She could get disillusioned, right? Like this could be one of those things. We still don't know what's happening with uh, with uh, sad little mall cop. Like he hates the Empire right now because they they took his like corporate Boys. cop position away from him. Yeah, but that doesn't mean he won't come back with the empire or won't try to do something else. He could be part of a, a different separatist unit that we haven't even seen that is not on the side of the good guys. He could be somebody that's like, you know, uh, a, a kind of like a vigilante type that's on the side of the empire. Like we haven't mm. seen, we know that there are groups like that out there as well. Gotcha. I do want to mention just one more thing in this, in this meeting as they're talking is they mention some other stuff that's going on. And they do of course mention Scarif. Like they have no idea what's going on right now. They can't right. get in touch with Scarif because there's some stuff going on. Construction or, going yeah, on. It's like, oh shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we know that Scarif was like secret projects, which is fun. Um, but I do just want to say the guy who talks about the increase in construction on Scarif is just the perfect original trilogy 70s imperial yeah, British like, guy with yeah. his mustache yes. and his weird part and his right. like his tiny neck like he's got a real thin neck he just looks like a 70s imperial and i just appreciate his casting so much uh also with this scene um you know we follow uh, the the kind of old old dude who's talking about like what are we you know we're not security we're healthcare. You know, and yeah. he's talking about where we it. fight. Security is an illusion. Yeah, we, we fight. Uh, we find and treat diseases from within and from the outside. And you can take that two different ways. Two different ways. Within, you know, within the uh, kind of uh, inner workings of the empire, of course. Mm -hmm. Spies, stuff like that. People who are disillusioned. And then, you know, people on the outside, obviously rebels and stuff like that. But you could also take that tim sage carboni in another way <laughs> within the galaxy and outside in wild space who's from wild space thrawn baby <laughs> <laughs> all signs point in blue baby i was gonna say jackson <laughs> jackson the space rabbits from wild space <laughs> is that who well, you're talking you know about, yes. about thrawn yes. doesn't <laughs> like things has a mom from wild space <laughs> it's all added up it's all added up um part of gas is great i i do like his thing about being healthcare, and i like his i like his ineffective tarkin energy right yeah. exactly yeah he's he's an ineffective tarkin like right down to the fact that when you look at his ranking it's he's just, just the middle little, the light blue ones yeah he's just yeah. middle management and he has like a lot of like important things to say, but all he cares about is who gets their reports in on time and what the memos look like. And like, mm, and he you're doesn't behind. really, he tries to rule with that iron fist and he doesn't really like, even when he's chewing, uh, chewing out a little bit, uh, Deirdre, uh, near the end of the episode, uh, he even ends with a compliment about her yeah, he where did, he's like, he you did, did this job. one thing. Cool. 
That was mm-hmm. that was dope. And then walks away, and it's like, man, I'll if that was Tarkin, that. he would not even give give her no. any air to breathe with. You know, Tarkin does not compliment sandwich. Tarkin is not. Uh, he doesn't do management retreats. Like Tarkin, Tarkin doesn't do that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing some real, real middle managers here. But um, after we see this, we go to my favorite bit in this whole episode, which is Mon Mothma walking into Luthen's shop. Now, Luthen, we see after Andor takes off, we see him. Now, I would say that if I was a deep cover operative, I would put on the wig for when I'm in deep cover. And for my day-to-day life- I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, for the when most for most of my life when most people have to see me, I would do no wig. Yeah, that's usually you know? how people do it. That's what I would do. Is but it a I'm wig? Not... I don't know. <laughs> Wigging out we without Scarpino. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Wigging Out Without Scarpino. Everybody, uh, my name is Barry Courtney. I'm your I'm your host without Scarpino. Uh, joins with me is uh, Carboni, Sage Ryan, and Tim Gettys. How impressive was it when he put on the wig and then you get the front shot? It didn't look like a wig. It looked great. I was it looked perfect. Like, this so is the now best wig I've ever seen. Now I'm questioning Listen, if those were two different on? shots. I'm wigging out. Where he might have done the actual wig shots, like in the in the in the store, and when he's looking at himself in the mirror in the front shot, maybe that was long hair, and then they did later shots where he is doing the the short hair stuff. I don't know. Sage, it's wild. Mm-hmm. Your wig expertise, please. Do you believe that they shot Skarsgård with long hair, and then cut his hair, or do you think that Skarsgård has a long wig? I'm pulling this back up. Mm-hmm. This is important. We need to. We need to go to the files. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Shot, I'm getting to the files. The first I'm shot that of him in the front was like that. Looks. It wowed me. Very. Yeah. I was, I was impressed. Because <laughs> here's something that we can say about Disney Plus series across the boards. We have not been impressed with their wigs. No. Oh, even Marvel no. movies, man. Yeah. Even yeah. Rogue Marvel One. The mom from Rogue One in that first scene. That's a terrible wig. Terrible wig. Skarsgård's looking good with that long hair, but I think... It looks really good. Now, it's entirely possible. Essentially, the thing that you would have to do with this is it would be more like a toupee in the way that it pastes on because that is his hairline. Mm -hmm. There are these little straggly old guy hairs in the front that have to be real. Okay. So it could be set back on his hairline for length, and then it's essentially it would look real because this portion of your hair is real and that's like mm-hmm. the best way to hide a wig is having a little bit of your own hair that can show listen shout out to ilm shout out to the shout out to shooting things on the volume shout out to digital effects shout out to pixar's render man shout out to all of these things shout out to the <laughs> shout out to the kerner optical multiplane camera all of these things are working to make Skarsgar's hair look good but what's <laughs> important work. what's important it's a wig. though it's, it's a wig, a wig. Okay, I'm, it's a wig. I'm gonna call okay. it. It's a wig. Okay. I wow. think I think you're right. I think it's a good wig, and we just we're not they used. They finally to figured out the science for the it. The wig technology, yeah. man. Yeah. They can make a convincing alien. Yeah. And sometimes they put a wig on somebody. I'm like, that's not their real hair. <laughs> I believe the Ewok is real. Mm-hmm. Yes. But that the Gungan, that's real. Cad Bane exists. That yeah. wig? And it's no. Now. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, 
I, I, I love the moment really quick before we get into the sort of last thing. I love him trying to get into like getting into character. Yes. You know, so it good. reminds me of like backstage when I was a theater kid, you know, you're getting into the character <laughs> and stuff like that. And it, it, it made me sad a little bit, you know, like I, I, I can only imagine like the, you know, the duality of, of the roles that he's playing and the probably the frustration that leads into having to pretend to still wanting to be a part of this uh, luxurious it's your, life that he lives. It's your millionaire playboy, Bruce Wayne. It's your it's your 100%. Zorro. It's your Scarlet Pumper. It's your Scarlet Pimpernel. Yeah. If you're Daffy Duck, it's the Scarlet Pumpernickel. Look. <laughs> This is he's pretending he's doing the thing where he pretends to be like a, a, a lollygagging rich guy, mm-hmm. and he's really one of one of the people. I love the interactions between him and his assistant. I love that she is his confidant. She immediately she immediately goes, "Ah, I got this." Ah, and she's good. New driver, new driver. Probably Chandelion. Yeah, she's amazing. Uh, it was a cool scene, and I just think it was really well done. Yeah. That is that is my favorite scene in the in the show so far, and it it might be one of my favorite Star Wars scenes because I've been waiting for this intrigue, I've been waiting for this suspense, and and also there's something about this scene. You know, it's we make fun of like the Glup Shido thing, right? Like I can't wait for them to introduce like that's Glup Shido. He's in the background (laughs) and I knew he was going to be there. This uses Star Wars lore, if you know it, and Star Wars artifacts to show you Luthen's interests, his Mm -hmm. research, his place in society, Mm -hmm. and where we're going in this series. Because number one, the Empire we know destroys destroys artifacts, history, knowledge. Everybody's always like, how come 30 years later people don't remember this or that or the other? And it's because the Empire crushes out. We're talking about a galaxy that doesn't use screens and for the most part doesn't record things. So when you destroy artifacts, you destroy history and you destroy... And that's why the powerful and the rich in Star Wars, particularly villains, particularly your boy Thrawn, (laughs) Barrett collects collects art he collects history because the knowledge of what happened in the galaxy is a guarded thing and luthan as somebody who is wealthy and part of a coruscant society is allowed to still run this business because he's selling to other richies this is like the one percent in the empire right so he's allowed to keep this shit but the shit that he has is like insane yeah. Uh, I have a I have a Break list of some of his Carboni. stuff. I love you so much, Carboni. <laughs> like I, the one. thing is, like Sage, I know you you'd get this as well. We're all really into this stuff. I yeah. would say that I am really into this shit. How the fuck is Carboni so many layers deeper than I could ever be? I love it so much. He gets Carboni. paid better to do it than the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that is fair. That's that is fair. fair. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so first of all, I want to talk about the fact that he's literally got Sith Stalker armor uh, in the background of his Sith Stalker armor is the armor that Galen Merrick, the Star Killer, wore. 
in I the knew Force it Awakens. Looked familiar. God damn it! Yeah. I was like, the helmet kind of looks like the one Leia wore <laughs> in Jedi, but like mm-hmm. I couldn't place it. I, I like I knew it was from something, and I couldn't quite place it. Thank you. That Star Killer armor, it has to be bonded to your body. It's grafted onto your yeah. flesh and bone. We do not know that this is Star Killer's armor because Star Killer is not canon right now, but we do know that that is Sith Stalker armor. Yeah. Um, He's also got an Utapan monk monk cudgel. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are three races that live on Utapau. One of them is the the Pawan, which is the Grand Inquisitor is a Pawan. Right. So by Luthen showing that he has this, he is showing that he is researching the enemy right now, right? Mm-hmm. It's very interesting that he has this stuff. He's got Plo Koon's breathing mask. Sad. Or at least somebody, somebody's breathing mask, right? Um, he's a Keldor, so they all have to wear those. But it could be Plo Koon's. It, it might as well be because our dude's got two holocrons, Sith and Jedi, He's got two holocrons in his store. You just walk in and the entire bank of knowledge of all the Jedi and all the Sith is sitting on his goddamn shelf. Yeah. You could buy Badass. it from him. I, I'm i surprised he's got, that he's allowed to have that so publicly right there. I'm just saying. I agree. Like, I also he's feel literally like on the same friend. planet as the Sith Lord. Like you don't think he's like – I don't know. That, I thought that was, you don't think someone's reporting to him of like, so he has this thing you might want. <laughs> like it's wild. So, but that's the thing is like to the average person, it means nothing. Right. right? Uh, and even to art collectors, it may mean something, but it may not, but it, they don't necessarily know. Cause he also has murals that depict the world between worlds. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Holy shit. I didn't notice either. Uh, as as the assistant is walking the driver over to see these coins, they have like plas- They have like stones that show the world between worlds. Jesus Christ, yeah. which is freaking wild. So um, Lothal is not destroyed yet, the temple. So this is right. from some other temple that we don't know about, showing the world between worlds. That's freaking wild to me and or it's like you know what there's not going to be lore gotcha motherfuckers <laughs> lore for days yeah. everybody but it's a like good lore that you can ignore if you're not there for it right like lore i didn't mean for that to be so like dr Susie in the way that i said it <laughs> here we are but, you know what i mean like it being in the background there is such a fun way to navigate how much star wars that there can be when they are still trying to make a show that's supposed to be a little more accessible for new star wars fans i still don't know that they've done that necessarily but in stuff like this you do not have to know how important that is but damn it's cool if you do yeah, yeah. And the scene works so well whether or not you know oh because like the change in tone when they get in the back and like immediately both of them oh. just like just start being real and then when they start walking out and they get back into character it's like damn this is this is good uh, shit yeah and Ron Andor said acting yeah <laughs> yes on mothma just being like hey I I don't know how like you you think you're telling me how unsafe this is. I'm the face. Right. I go to she, she that line that she says where it's like I go to the bank every day and they've changed all the people. 
I don't know everyone's anybody. new. Yeah. And he goes, I noticed you have a new driver. And she just has this look on her face that's just like, I did not hire this driver. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, then they, when they go back out and they start acting again, and I love when, you know, you're, you're acting, you're saying a line with a little bit of a double meaning here where he says, it's a daring choice, but I can trust you can turn back if it's too much. And I love yes. that, man. <laughs> oh. So good. Skarsgård delivered it perfectly. Um, yeah, this, this entire sequence was incredible. It was perfect. And then her look, just the camera, when they hold the camera on her, as she's flying away and you're just watching like the stress and she kind of even looks a little Red. bit towards her driver and it's just like, fuck, I don't like she's surrounded. And then it's, it's double heartbreaking when we see her go home and we realize like she her home is also not safe. Yeah. yeah. Nowhere is for her. Yeah. God. And that scene. Okay. First of all, quick shout out to that outfit that Mon Mothma is wearing. Cause Killer. Jesus. Oh my God. The sleeves. Mm. Genuinely a dream. But the scene that follows with this man, and I know we talked about how much we hate him in the beginning, but also like, A, they drop a couple of important pieces of information uh, because we get context from on Mothma. We have future context from on Mothma. We have this like, oh shit, you're literally surrounded. This thing that immediately backs up exactly what she was trying to tell him. Yes. Immediately she's there and she's like, I'm the face. This is what's happening to me. And then she walks into her own home. And that's the scene that proceeds. Is there's tables and chairs set up for these horrible advisors of Palpatine. Perrin. Ooh, Perrin. Oh, uh, Perrin. Perrin that sucks. so <laughs> wonderful. And it's so interesting to see someone who should have so much power. Like she's a senator. She's all of these important things to be so powerless continually. Yeah. Oh, and his whole thing where it's like, oh, but they're fun. They're fun people to what hang out with. Weird take. I want more. I don't want more of that because I want to punch that man square in the nose and then rip his little pigtail out. Yeah. But then, <laughs> but then I do want to understand what it is about. Like it's not fun. And I know that also there's like a level of like, hey, this is the burden of information and empathy. And mm -hmm. I think that there's a huge storyline there of the burden of empathy is having to care that these people are ruining the entire galaxy. They're killing people. They're committing genocides and all right. of these things. And your husband is just uh, a wealthy guy who is unbothered because it doesn't touch him and yeah. they're his friends and you run in the same circles. It's, it's almost like a commentary on how unfazed people are when, you know, like we have like war criminals on, uh, you know, like Fox and stuff like that from the day yeah. to day. And we just kind of normalize that in our society. It's, it's very interesting. It's almost like a parallel in a way. <laughs> it's almost like there's some weird stuff happening. It's almost in like real Star life. Wars was always kind of. It rhymes, guys. It rhymes. <laughs> My favorite like, line of this oh, entire. Wait, go no, go for it, Titch. Oh, I was just going to say at the end of that, they've showed us multiple examples now throughout the Disney Plus series of what it looks like when you are not the big bad and you are not the hero and what all of these people that turned their eyes away from people that were suffering and in danger while this happened. So we mm -hmm. saw in uh, Obi-Wan, we saw the guy who was just like, yeah, I mean, like, I'm vaguely pro-Empire. Like, I'm I'm kind of yeah. chill about it, but like, yeah. I'm not I'll, give you, I'll yeah. give you a ride. Hmm. You know, <laughs> my little Empire bumper sticker, but I'm not yeah. out, you know, uh, rioting or uh, charging the Capitol. But um, and there's all of these people in between we're meeting. So please, sorry, Tim, go ahead. 
Oh, no, I was just going to say my favorite line of this entire episode was with the, the Imperial guy talking to the space cop when he says, it took the combined ingredients of idiocy, ineptitude, and total disengagement for this farce to reach the full apex of incredulous disaster. Yes, like, that's oh, good. So <laughs> good. It's, it's the military coming in to tell the, the local police, Y'all are fucking dumb. This is bro. some straight up super trooper shit. I yeah. loved it. <laughs> I do, and even and the, I love the raising of the hand, and he's like, seriously, dude. dude? What are you doing, dude? He's like, proud, are we? So Qu- good. Question No. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even there. Yeah, exactly. Where were you? Oh, um, God, I love it. Uh, one thing that I do want to mention here about dinner is uh, when he talks about. Uh, Ars Dangor and uh, 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 Sly Moore coming to dinner. Uh, she talks about Gorman, the planet Gor- Gorman, uh, and how like, oh, maybe you can talk about how like nobody's been able to get like food there because the, sh- the supply lines have been. Uh, that's actually that was mentioned in Rebels, but we still don't know what went down there entirely Mm. but we do know that was like a central thing that was going on in rebels at the same time so i do love listen rebels is good you could watch rebels that's all i'm saying maybe i started a rewatch the other day who knows (laughs) i don't know tim Tim, Tim, i'm just saying maybe you know catch up on rebels i'm just saying working on it i know i know you're working on it uh really quick to go back to nerd cop when he goes back home quick quick, do we do we know if that was coruscant was that a different planet he was on that was just very city-like i I, I thought it was because i thought the way that they were cutting especially with the elevator and all that like i i think there it was supposed to be but i i left with the same thought of like i'm not sure that it, it is i, I don't not. think it was the same um uh kind of a sector of the the galaxy that he was originally yeah. in because they made a point of like he does not even have like an accent even close to anybody else who's local yeah. there so it's, and they showed that elevator that he was in and the size of that building yeah. i think we could assume that he's he's it's definitely it's at least inner he's in rim you know, like he's a, yeah, he's in a different area for yeah. sure. Um, it felt mad serial killer vibes. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest. When he was walking home with his two, like his suitcases and that like creepy music uh, behind him, and I was like, what is what is happening here? And I I love that you know his his mom just kind of lives in like an old person Italian neighborhood, or yeah. that's just like the vibes his mom mom gave off slapping him. That was great. And then when she's looking at the other old lady, she's like, what are you looking at? And then like yeah. brings him back inside that was all very great just to kind of understand of like this this weird little uh weird little weirdo who spends too much time on the internet yeah he's a little weirdo that's about to be on the alt-right pipeline from his mom's basement yeah straight up weird (laughs) i was getting a lot of uh judge dread vibes too from this of just kind of like the like the different the higher lower class stuff very on the nose but like i i liked that they're they're kind of setting that up especially with it being the imperial side of things and like he's not quite imperial imperial yet but um i i like how they're they're building this up of like having the good guys bad guys but then also kind of like having the power dynamic off a little yeah. bit well we do know that there are mega cities like you you think about like the the poor one out for star wars 1313 which was supposed to be set you know on the lower levels of a mega city where like the the scum and villainy happens but i do love the idea like one thing that we see from this guy talking about what you what you were saying sage where it's like this guy's on the alt-right pipeline where um you can tell that he comes from you know it's not a it's 
it's not a nice family. It's not a poor family. You know, I feel, but he was definitely trying to get above his station in life. And you right. can see that. And you can tell from the building, like his mother is pretty well dressed, but she's not like as well behaved as like the people we see on Coruscant, like not as cultured. And then like, She's the also not is, like in the top of like the buildings and stuff like, yeah. like on the city skyline and stuff. And the building is clean, but like everything is small, right? Like you can tell that everything is like, and so it has this very like big apartment building vibe. Yeah. Um, and so I love the idea that he was like trying to get above his station, you know, and it didn't work out for him. And now it's going to like, now he's going to be even more, he's going to have that chip on his shoulder mm -hmm. and be even more like, in a retaliatory mood towards who knows who. I'm very interested in seeing what happens with Karn. Absolutely. Uh, we so there you go. Well, Any final thoughts on uh We haven't really episode? talked about Andor a lot in the second half of like what he was up to. Uh, of just yeah, like, he, it was not the focus of this episode or our <laughs> review. Um, just like a shouting out to like them putting the plan together. I liked the dynamic of the reason why just like thinking about it a little more out of context, the reason why they're so distrustful of him. Um, <clears throat> obviously uh, they're having a trouble being a team as it is without like a, a new thing coming in. But I think, a lot of people probably understand that when you fight against uh, the Empire at this stage in it, you don't come you don't walk away from it. So they're probably mm. just really tense about like who they let in uh, just in that context, which I really like. I like that they've they've got someone on the inside who is also kind of uh, disillusioned by what probably what the Empire is doing, kind of like what we saw a little bit in um, Obi-Wan as well and and mm. in other stuff. But I, I like that yeah. they're kind of keeping that as a thread because you know there there are people like that definitely uh, out there who kind of even though they're serving the system they they understand of like nah this needs to change and uh, I, I really well, like or that. even if they're just even if he's just out for himself like we don't know where his yeah. sympathies align he may just be like they're they're in to like steal this money and that's that's fine for them too mm. uh, I love the description of the uh of the Aldani eye, this thing that we're going to see during this heist. So like, cool. Like tiny micro particles that explode in the sky and they only have like a certain amount of time to get out. Like, yeah. Even though this was a talky episode, like they really, that's more of that like suspense where I'm just like, oh, I can't wait to see this thing. Yeah. Oh, totally. Wow. I mean, I, I love it because two things. First off, I love that they have a dedicated guy that's just like going to make sweet little models uh, and miniatures and dioramas to show people. So shout out to that. Uh, but to your point, hey, Nemec, I hope you don't die. I love that they set up. Oh, that guy is dead. That guy is so fucking dead. But I love that they set up what the heist is going to be and kind of like teased us with like the action set piece. And it's like right. this gave me such Top Gun Maverick vibes of like, OK, you're telling us exactly what they got to do. And it's going to be fucking rad when they do it. So I can't wait. I took it more as like this is exactly the plan. Where is it going wrong? You know, like yeah. where, oh, yeah. where, where do they need to like kind of readjust in the middle of the plan? Uh, my last uh, thing I want to uh, just shout out, uh, Kazian responds at one point when he kind of learns the the plan here. He says it's a suicide run, and I, I like this moment where Cassian's finally taking in. He's meeting people who are willing to risk it all at the expense of themselves and and, and stuff like that. And that's that's kind of his Jin Urso moment. But I think. Maybe, you know, not quite as, as rushed and it's not immediately like he's on board with them, but he's slowly starting to understand it. And, and I really enjoyed that.
He's a rebel. That's what he does. Uh, let us know in the comments below if you think Thrawn's showing up and what you thought of this episode overall. And how many Tims is too many Tims? Let us know. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about Andor episode five. But until then, Sage, where can people find you? You can find me everywhere on the internet at NotSage. I stream on my channel as well as twitch.tv slash pixelcircus where Anthony and I host a show together called It's Too Early where we do uh, morning gaming and pop culture news um, and usually just yell about the things we found annoying on the internet. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that's Monday yep. and Fridays. Anthony, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me everywhere on the internet at A Carboni, except for on Twitch, where I'm at Anthony Carboni. Twitch, you cowards, it's mine. Give it back to me. And of course, my science comedy podcast with Jeff Canada, We Have Concerns. Uh, you can listen to that at wehaveconcerns.com. And you can see Anthony and Sage live in person with <gasps> us at the Kind of Funny Studio launch party. This on is the first time it's going to be the Star Wars it's gonna be, together. It's going to be great. Person. I can't it's wait. Awesome. I, mean, I don't even fun. know these people in person. Uh, it's going to be so <laughs> cool. But anyways, I love you all. Goodbye.